Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 52 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen. I'm the director of Sem Positive, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Susie Woodrow-Reed and Ruth Toomey. Community Insights is a team that sits in the Queensland Public Service Commission. They work with agencies looking to find new solutions to complex problems and work with them in understanding the system and behaviours to design more responsive, person-centred systems and services for government. Susie Woodrow-Reed is the Director of Community Insights and has strong co-design, design thinking and creative expertise. She is a facilitation and workshopping specialist with over 20 years in consultancy, leadership development, coaching and education. Susie has experience across public, private and NGO sectors. Ruth Toomey is the Principal Consultant of Community Insights. She has more than 10 years community sector experience, specialising in participatory approaches and systems change, with leadership experience across non-government and private sectors. Ruth is a specialist in working with complexity and ambiguity, and has high-level engagement expertise, and a social science background with strong research and analysis skills. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss opportunities, tools, and methodologies to effectively work alongside citizens to tackle complex problems. We'll get Susie and Ruth's thoughts and perspective on the social innovation landscape, and we'll hear how the Queensland Public Service Commission is working with the aim of creating positive social change. Susie and Ruth, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having us, Tom. So to keep things off, could you please share a little bit about your backgrounds and what led you to working in the Queensland Public Service Commission? Uh, For me, I started in education and youth work and took a long and eclectic path to getting to the public service. That included working in four part-time jobs while I had three kids in various fields to do with human resources, with lecturing, with teaching drama to kids, um, to managing kind of associations. Mm. That led me into being a consultant in organisational development, in facilitation and leadership development, but also with an arts-based practice, which was my background in creative industries. I found that my favourite clients when I was a consultant were government clients, both state and local government. And so I wanted to look for a career where really the only purpose of working was to produce public benefit. And that led me to the public service, which has led me to community insights. Fantastic. I would have seen you being very busy with three kids and four part-time jobs. Yeah, that's for sure. doing my head in. <laughs> Good preparation for complex problems. Absolutely. <laughs> Ruth. Um, yeah, so uh, as you've mentioned, I studied social science and I was really interested, um, I suppose, in particularly where policy impacts community. And so in my working career, I, I started working in pretty much straight away in the peak community peak body sector and I started off in community development roles and then moved into policy 
type roles. And then I had a, a manager in one of those organisations who started to um, to share with me her uh, her passion for participatory approaches and futures work. And uh, under her leadership, I developed my community engagement skills and. So from there, I was given the opportunity to um, come across to government to do a, a six-month project with the Department of Housing and Public Works. I had a strong background in housing and homelessness. Yeah. Well, I was working on a place-based project where the department had decided to to try to work differently in co-designing an approach with community. And so we were partnering with Community Insights to, to do that piece of work. And mm. that was a... a a really, um, I guess, a very significant point in my career because I really loved that way of working with Community Insights and um, and from there was uh, offered an opportunity to come across and, and do some work with the team and I've been here for more than a year now. So Fantastic. Yeah. It sounds like you're really enjoying your role here. Love it. It's great. Excellent. So what are the broader objectives of the Queensland Public Service Commission and what sort of projects have you both recently been involved in? So the Public Service Commission is what we call a central agency. So we look over the public sector. And when we talk about agencies, they're things like the Department of Communities, Department of Health, Department of Housing. So agencies that have specific responsibilities in delivering services to Queensland. So as a central agency, the Public Service Commission really looks at how do we support and enable the public sector to be future-focused, contemporary public sector. So we really work with agencies to really help look at how do we deliver government services better. Mm -hmm. Community Insights is a team that sits within the Public Service Commission and we have a very specific role to work as internal consultants in the area of co-design, behavioural insights, solving problems that are often not just one agency to solve. Mm -hmm. So they're complex problems, often problems where the problems have been going for generations and they need new approaches to really move the needle and have some social mm. impact. So the type of projects that we are working in at the moment include areas like child protection, the child safety system, uh, the justice system, uh, we're, looking, we're working in the parole reform, we're looking at some environmental projects. Uh, are doing some work with Youth Justice to try and to work differently to implement new pieces of work iteratively in communities. Uh, we're doing work internally with the PSC as well, um, helping the PSC to look at how it engages with its customers as in the agencies that it works with and how um, it captures the voice and, and works um, collaboratively with, with the, the public sector to, mm. um, to achieve the outcomes that are desired. We're also doing some things in the responsible service of alcohol mm. and looking at what are the systems that help responsible service of alcohol at various levels, uh, looking at the environmental impact yep. statements and how the community engages in that process of mm. really big infrastructure yep. projects and gives their voice. The other thing, a lot of our work has brought us into contact in various ways with the delivery of services, particularly to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander mm. people and ch families, children, um, broader communities. And yep. that's been a fascinating space because that obviously touches mm. a lot of work and yep. is really important work to be doing. Absolutely. So it sounds like you're dealing with some really complex issues and you're working with a broad variety of public and, and, the, and the citizens. So how do you believe then the government might most effectively engage communities in order to tackle these complex issues and problems? 
Yeah, well, I think there's something around government really needing to to gain the permission of communities to engage effectively. And obviously we know there's a spectrum of engagement and sometimes it's appropriate to just, you know, do the informing stuff. But um, really our role is to, to try to help government to work with communities in more of a co-design approach to really um, level out that, that power imbalance, I mm. suppose. Uh, it's really important for government to spend time to find the right people to, um, to be involved in that um, and to spend time identifying the need and really understanding what the problems are before jumping to solutions, yep. which I think is something that traditionally in the policy cycle um, has been the approach. Yes, but. Yeah. You know, in our work, we spend a significant amount of time gathering a whole range of data to really try to understand problems before we move to that solution space. Um, so for government to really recognise aspects of complexity that, that communities are, are dealing with and to be able to hold that systems view uh, is, is what we're trying to, mm. to do for government to enable more effective engagement with communities. Yeah, fantastic. So what do you believe then are the fundamental ingredients necessary when designing alongside these communities to ensure that the outcomes produce positive social impact? Probably picking up on what Ruth said is the first thing is understanding that communities often have the answer. Mm. And so listening and learning from the community is one of those vital ingredients. And probably one of the greatest um, greatest learnings that we've had in the two years that we've been doing projects is that the focus on outcomes is absolutely vital. What's the outcome that actually is needed to serve the public? Mm. But of equal importance is the process. And the when the process is done badly, outcomes actually don't achieve what collectively people want those outcomes mm. to achieve. So the kind of ingredient that actually becomes very important are all of those process things. How do we iterate? How do we learn? How do we set up a learning community that informs the process mm. rather than having a very directed change process to go that you stick to slavishly because yeah. that's what's in the project plan. Sure. Now, for some, those kind of project plans are great. When something's really clear cut, when there's clear cause and effect, then mm. that kind of planning is really, really good. But when you're working in a very complex, ambiguous, changing, multi-stakeholder, conflicting interest space, then you've really got to have a different process. Mm. And so they become the key ingredients. And that's sometimes difficult because you don't know the process until you get into it. Mm, I bet. It sounds really, really complex to be working in these types of environments with multi-stakeholders and lots of people with conflicting interests as well. So what processes then, tools and methodologies do you commonly use in these projects? Uh, so we have a very eclectic approach, I guess, and that's probably somewhat due to the uh, the different backgrounds that we have in our team. So we have people that have come from um, psychology backgrounds, we have, you know, social science, we have leadership, we have a, a really a range of expertise uh, in our team. Um, I think also because, as Susie said, we deal with such a, a diversity of complex issues that really we need a toolkit to be able to cater to those mm. different contexts. So yeah. processes and, and approaches that we use really we draw from disciplines of design, from behavioural insights, from neuroscience and leadership theory, from international development, um, from user experience, we use some futures methodologies and, and really um, we try to integrate elements from all of those to, mm. to, be, uh, to suit them to a particular application. Yeah. One approach that we've recently come into 
contact with that we're having a bit of fun playing with at the moment is PDIA, um, which is Problem Driven Iterative Adaptation. Uh, that comes from Harvard University and um, it came to us via some wonderful academics at, at UQ. Um, what, what we're liking about it is that it seems to provide a framework for communicating and project managing iterative work in a way that could satisfy government agencies who might be more accustomed to working with those sort of logic yep. maps and, and Gantt charts and what have you. Mm. So, yeah, we're having fun playing with that in some of our projects at the moment. Yeah, fantastic. So what have been some of the biggest challenges then in introducing these co-design methods within government and community? I think for us, delivering public value is tough because not everybody agrees on what is value for mm. them. So within the government context, what is considered as value is always contested because we don't have a homogenous community that all wants the same things. Mm. So using these kind of co-design approaches, it's inevitable that there's a tension, that there's a tension between stakeholders, there's a tension between the government process and how community thinks things should roll out. Mm. There's also there's a difficulty in dealing with complexity in new ways because often dealing with complexity takes a really long time and it, it isn't until you get in the middle of it that you realise that an approach may not be working. Mm. And sometimes that is difficult in a news cycle or with members of the community who understand their patch and yep. what they want to see, how that's balanced with all of the other concerns that mm. community and government and business and global forces have. Yep. So there's a whole lot of challenges in using these kind of new approaches because they're untested mm. at the moment and they are complex. Yep. Um, when I say untested, they have been tested in various ways, but every situation is new. Yep. So dealing with housing and homelessness even in one region of Queensland is very different from dealing with it in another region. Yeah, absolutely. So those new ways take some trust. Mm. They take some time for people to be educated about how it might be, both government and community. Yeah. And so they're some of the challenges we found in mm. moving forward. But we firmly believe that it's work worth doing. Mm. And though there might be challenges along the way, if we go into it with a learning mindset together, then we can work out how to overcome those mm. challenges as they present. Certainly. Yeah, there's some great insights there. So looking at social impact then from a policy perspective, what do you believe are the key steps that government need to take to help foster and support an innovative social sector? Hmm. Yeah, so we had a few ideas around this. I guess one is, uh, well, government has a social procurement policy. Personally, I think that that could be strengthened by maybe having some targets around that. Mm. I think, you know, I think that the idea is is there yeah. and um, and that's a great thing. But I would, I would like to see in future maybe some targets set around that for government to put its money where its mouth is, I suppose. Social benefit bonds, I think, are a great step and we'll be interested to see how the outcomes from those unfold yeah. over the coming years. Flexible funding approaches for government, which we know some departments are starting to move towards, um, contracting for outcomes and, and giving organisations more freedom to look at how they might deliver on those outcomes. So I think that certainly fosters more innovation yeah. um, in, in the social sector. Also market-led innovations, market-led approaches to, to funding that we're starting to see more of in, in some departments as well, I think um, is a way of people being able to come and, and present their new ideas to government and to get support to, to mm. implement them. Yeah, great. Do you have any others, Susan? Uh, look, I think there's small pockets 
benefits of lots of things that people are doing from a policy perspective. Mm. I think partly for us it's about being able in such a massive organisation, if you can call government that, which really is a whole lot of different businesses, nobody knows what everybody else is doing and it's impossible to actually do that. So I think government is really trying to be more integrated in the way that they work in Mm. the social impact space. They're trying very hard to pull all the threads in where there are commonalities Mm. and work out how to work together with the community, with business to do that. But as you can understand, with such a broad range of work, that's really Mm. difficult. And you can understand the public saying, well, it's all one government. Why don't they know what they're doing? Um, And, you know, there's a great thing in that because sometimes we really don't know what the other hand is doing. Mm. But on the other part of it it's very difficult to do Mm. so i think some of the social um, impact from a policy perspective is how do we really encourage government to work in that way and that's a role that community insights is helping to support Mm. and i think just on that there's probably there's some neat examples of where policies is happening from the front line up for example um, we're working with a group of government agencies in a a regional city uh, where they're looking to work together more effectively to support families with a particular need and that has not come from above it's really come from on the ground and Mm. what they're seeing in their daily work Um, so I think that that's something that we'll probably see more of in the future is that bottom-up policy development yeah Yeah, really interesting well you've spoken about some really interesting projects today so outside of the team and outside of the work that you're doing what inspiring projects or initiatives have you both come across recently which is creating some nice positive social change so i was uh, i was thinking about this and so i'm currently doing the theory u massive online course mm. which i'm absolutely loving and what's really struck me is the scottish government have set up about a hundred labs and they've they've enabled as many staff really of the Scottish Government who are interested in in completing ULAB to work together to prototype new approaches to social change. So um, for those that don't know, Theory U is is based on the idea of affecting transformational change through the transformation of self and it's based on the idea that the the effectiveness of any intervention is dependent on the interior condition of the intervener so it's really about doing that personal work and i suppose bringing that into your work and so i'm fascinated to see from a government perspective what that's going to Mm. enable them to achieve in scotland um certainly i've i've read some examples of how it's already begun to to change the way that they're um, connecting with community and business to work together um, Mm. for outcomes so uh, I guess it's early days, but I'm just fascinated that the government has taken it on so wholeheartedly that the creators of the MOOC have actually created a separate piece for that government. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's really inspiring leadership there. Yeah, absolutely. I think at a community level, there's, you know, really we don't even get exposure to the amount of good work that people are doing. There's some really lovely work that's been done in Burke in New South Wales around a collective impact project which was originally and still is about reducing uh, youth crime. So that's been a lovely example of working with the Indigenous community, with police, with community to really look at a complex Mm. problem and that's been driven really from the ground up in terms of the solutions. I guess at the very big level, the thing that I've been keeping an eye on, which has only just started, is the Obama Foundation. And what's really interesting 
in that context is Obama's focus now that he's left office on individual and youth taking carriage of the leadership in communities to bring mm. about transformation. And you know, that's a pretty powerful person to say it doesn't yeah. have to come from government. It can come doesn't have to come from business. It can come from a collection of people together who see a need and work out ways to address it. Mm. So I think there's initiatives everywhere and they are inspiring. People every day without being paid do enormous stuff to bring about social impact. Mm. Um, we just want to harness it. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very, some great projects there. Mm. It's funny you mentioned Scotland too because a lot of the previous interviewees have spoken about Scotland being the leader in this social innovation space. And we'll actually be running an event with CQ University in Melbourne mid-December to talk about and compare Scotland and Australia and their social innovation strategies. So really? I'll keep you informed on that. Exciting. So to finish off then, what books would you both recommend to the listeners? The one that's got my attention at the moment is um, Eric Barker has just published a book called Barking Up the Wrong Tree. And his book is really about everything we know about success is wrong. And he goes into the behavioural insights, studies, scientific um, evidence for the things that we think are going to lead to success often don't. Mm -hmm. And so I, it's lots of little snippets, it's lots of little stories, and so I'm reading it in bits. Yeah, great. But it's also about challenging all of these really long-held views that success, which could be in social innovation, social impact, but really comes from that condition of the intervener, mm. which is what do we know and what do we think internally that actually creates something in the world? And if we just challenge what we think it is in our own minds, what's the impact that that brings mm. more broadly? Yeah, fantastic. Mm. Uh, so my book, uh, my lovely colleague Vivian actually plonked this on my desk this week. So I haven't read very much of it. I'm not sure if I can actually recommend it, but um, I, I can definitely recommend the concept. So uh, it's a book called Developmental Evaluation, Applying Complexity Concepts to Enhance Innovation and Use by Michael Quinn Patton, who has done a lot of work around um, developmental evaluation. So we've spent a lot of time grappling with how to measure the um, the effectiveness mm. of the work that we do when it's when it's iterative and it's adaptive yep. and it's complex and it's changing and that's a really difficult space and so developmental evaluation comes out of international development and it seems to have some really key ingredients for us to consider in terms of what sort of data we might look to collect and how we might do that and um, it, it's it's a way of looking at evaluation that sits in messiness so mm. um, yeah so that's that's what I'm on at the moment. A couple of great suggestions there. Susie and Ruth Thank you so much for sharing your time and insights today. I very much appreciate it. And we'll look forward to seeing how the Queensland Public Service Commission continue on into the future and, and how you continue to work alongside these communities. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for having Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.